Welcome to the Stream UK, an Alison and Partners podcast. You're listening to episode seven. Thanks for joining us once again. As you're probably bored of me saying by now, my name is Andrew Rogers, and this week I'm joined in the London studio by account director Stephanie Libus. Welcome. Thank you. So if you listened to last month's podcast, you will have heard us talking about the PR Week Awards and the fantastic news that the team here took home the win in the best campaign in the healthcare, ethical and OTC consumer category. And that was for our client Dexcom. Well, I'm very pleased to say that Steph has joined us here as one of the key masterminds behind the UK campaign. And we've invited her here to talk a little bit more about that campaign and then also more generally about what makes a campaign award winning. So I thought maybe we'd kick off with your highlights from that night. Um, I know it was last (laughs) month, but then also more importantly, maybe a little bit more about that Dexcom campaign. Absolutely. Well, I think one of my highlights was being graced by our host, who was from Bridget Jones's Diary. Uh, it was very interesting to hear her comedy and how it synced up with the communications industry. So that was definitely really entertaining. I think for us, when we walked into the room, we saw where our table was and we were sat all the way in the back. And for anybody who has been to awards dinners in the past, that's usually an indicator that you are going home empty-handed. So we had our expectations set. We knew that we had a strong campaign. We could only hope that the judges and the committee felt the same. And obviously the nerves were rising through dinner when our category came up and we heard our name called. It was essentially what you see on the Oscars on TV, that moment of shock and wait, is, is this us? Did, did we really, is that our name up there? Did we just win? And after a few seconds of shocked excitement, we made our way up to the stage. And it was a fantastic evening. And I think the highlight for everybody is just being recognized for the work that you've done. And it makes it even better that it's been for such a wonderful campaign, uh, helping so many people. Absolutely. And maybe if you can expand a little bit on that, because I know a key mm-hmm. part of the campaign and why it was so, why it was judged so well is because of the very clear impact that it was making on very specific communities and, and the work yes. it was doing. So maybe you can tell a bit more about that. Yes. So the campaign name was Live Your Best Life with Type 1. For those of you who aren't familiar, Dexcom manufactures continuous glucose monitoring devices. Those are devices that sit just under the skin on your stomach to measure your glucose levels. And what many people don't realize is that there is a massive difference between type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes, namely that type 1 is an autoimmune disorder. You cannot help getting it. It's not diet-induced. It's not exercise-induced. It is simply when your pancreas does not make or produce any insulin, you have no control over it. So our main objective was to change and get rid of the stigma around diabetes, specifically type one, and having people understand the impact of technology. So the campaign was broken out into three different sections. We had your traditional media relations, you had an influencer campaign, and then something that was new this year, we had a public affairs campaign that is continuing to to take shape. In England, on the NHS, continuous glucose monitoring is not fully funded for everybody with type one diabetes. 
we are trying to change that in partnership with Dexcom. So a lot of our campaigning is speaking with MPs and people in the government, key stakeholders, to educate them on the importance of technology in diabetes and why it should be fully funded on the NHS, not just for those who are high-risk patients such as children, people who are more susceptible to getting hypoglycemic attacks, which could be deadly. So the campaign worked in conjunction with our influencer program, which works with numerous celebrities across the entertainment, athletic, and arts community. All of that is wrapped up in traditional media relations, cross-broadcast, social media, print, online, just various different stories being told from the more consumer angle to the more business and policy side as well. And I think we'll get to this a little bit more later on, but... I think one of the key aspects of the campaign was that it covered so many bases and it had that core strategy Mm -hmm. and that core mission, but there were so many different tactics deployed in the right places. Yes, it was very multifaceted. And what was also very different is we covered so many areas of the UK. So it wasn't just a London-centric campaign. We also partnered with diabetes charity JDRF to issue a survey on type 1 diabetes and how it linked up with mental health. So that provided a really interesting hook for us. So I feel we can now use this as a bit of a template to talk more about award-winning campaigns generally. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that as PRs, we can sometimes get accused of wanting to talk about ourselves a bit too much. Yes. So (laughs) I want us to talk a little bit more about the industry more generally and what Mm -hmm. it takes to be award-winning. But I think maybe before we go into that, it'd be interesting to get your perspective on some of your favorite award-winning campaigns from this year. So obviously, we got to see all the other awards that were going up. And in the last podcast, we talked a bit about purpose as kind Mm -hmm. of a key theme that united them. But I'm interested to know what stood out to you. I don't think you'll be surprised that the ones that I list out are sort of cause-based. But I think my favorite, and this has stuck with me, was from Iceland and the orangutan video for palm oil. I think what I loved about that one so much was they didn't care about the potential political backlash of speaking out against palm oil. And actually their advert wasn't allowed on TV in some countries because it went against sort of what the government was thinking with palm oil and how it would deter or hurt their economy. They were more concerned about the cause and raising awareness and doing what was right. And I think that broke through any backlash that could have happened. So that to this day, I think is one of my favorites. I also really enjoyed the campaign Viva La Vulva. It's one of those ones that not many people want to talk about, but should talk about. Essentially, it's based in body shaming and get ridding of that stigma. But it was done in a really fun way where lots of different types of animated vulvas were singing along to this you know, women's empowerment song and essentially telling everybody that you have nothing to be ashamed of with your body. There is no one right way to look. And I thought that was really important, especially for a younger generation coming up, being so consumed with looks and social media and what they're supposed to look like. I thought that was really responsible and a really great campaign. To pivot a little bit, for the rest of this episode, we're going to be talking about how we can make campaigns that are award-winning. But 
perhaps before we talk about that, we need to address why it matters to be award-winning because it can feel a little bit self-indulgent at times. And sometimes we do have our clients asking us, you know, what the need is for award recognition on campaigns and not just at the marketing level, but why it matters for the entire business to have campaigns that are recognized. So, I, I mean, what's your opinion on that? Do you, do you think it is important? Do you think people should care? I do. I think it sets a benchmark and sort of ups the ante on what we should be doing as an industry. It's less about straight media hits these days, which I think is good. And I think the winning campaigns and award-winning ideas are more about getting the message across. And I think the more we recognize those types of campaigns, the more we set the benchmark and the trend of the types of campaigns we should be doing. And also the types of campaigns that our clients should be looking to do and spreading their message and really sort of doing, as cliche as it sounds, a bit of good for the world. So as long as we continue to recognize and award those types of campaigns, I think that can only do good for our industry. And do you think, therefore, the most important thing when it comes to being a campaign that's recognized as award-winning, is it that it tells that core message and has that purpose? Or is it more about capturing the public's attention and kind of making that big splash? Or even possibly, is it more about, okay, let's get the tactics right on, let's find exactly the right person. It might not be the biggest campaign, but it's delivered the one result we want. Mm -hmm. I think it's the latter. If you're not tactically on point, then it doesn't matter how big of a splash you make. It's almost a waste. And I think really what matters is that you hit the right audience and that you tell the right message for your campaign. You may walk around and see, you know, this massive, really cool pop-up or advert or something being just kind of thrown in your face and you have no idea what it means. But if that in itself isn't tactically targeted to the right people you're not going to have any follow through and then you've just wasted that time and resource. I really don't believe in the phrase, there's no such thing as bad press, Uh, especially now in the day of age of the internet and social media. I really feel like you need to strike that balance between getting your message right and getting it out there with the appropriate amount of splash. And I think one of the things that can often be a criticism of campaigns that are often seen as award-winning is that people can say oh they're just big budget campaigns but actually increasingly from what we saw at awards this year it's not necessarily that you have to have a big budget to have the best campaign and sometimes if you just have the best core idea or you know your audience well or you've done your research and you understand who you're trying to talk to that can get that result and the one that stands out to me is um, one that we saw quite a lot was I believe it was tinder for cows Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of a B2B campaign that was targeting a sector of, of agribusiness. Yes. But they got exactly the results they wanted mm-hmm. and they really drove those business results as well, crucially. Exactly. So, you know, possibly that's something that we might want to talk about next is kind of business success and how important that is to somebody being award winning. So mm-hmm. should awards be given for the splashiest campaign that we as PRs love and admire or should it be about what our clients are trying to achieve. Well, it should really be about the impact that it's making. Taking away the element of how big the splash was, if you didn't make an impact or if you didn't really achieve the goals that you wanted to that tie back to your client's business success or business goals or vision, 
then what did you do? You maybe put their name out there, but it's it's a lot more than that these days. And I think you have to start out with any campaign is understanding what are those business goals, what what is success to your client, whether that is just media coverage, thought leadership, do they want to change the sentiment and the tone of their of their name being discussed? Do they want to increase their share of voice compared to a competitor? Increase business leads, you know, generate sales. What what are those KPIs that you want to track back against? And if you build out from there, then whether or not you win the campaign award, you will have won in your own right that you've succeeded in your client's eyes and you've done what the goal was, hopefully, you know, above and beyond. I think that's actually what's happened with Dexcom is that we, we've achieved more than we could have ever hoped for just from a social and policy change standpoint, sort of kind of surprising ourselves at the impact that we've made and it's really made it that much more worth it. And I think that's really what you need to think about when starting a campaign and creating the ideas. And I feel that the days are increasingly numbered for campaigns that just look at media coverage as Mm -hmm. a core metric and okay let's go out there and let's get a bit of attention and let's get some journalists along to a party and you know maybe get them to write a few articles Mm -hmm. it's so much more than that and we actually need to be an extension of their internal teams and understanding their business goals and everything we do needs to tie into that and you mentioned KPIs Mm -hmm. in your answer there and I'd like to dive a bit more into that because quite often in the past KPIs have been set that include media coverage or possibly social media impressions Mm -hmm. but increasingly I find we're moving away from that so what do you find is the best way to set KPIs for campaigns and therefore how can they be used to demonstrate that a campaign has really been successful and gone above and beyond? Well it all tracks back to measurement and having a really good idea and strong understanding of how measurement works and what you're measuring Uh, You need to have a very open conversation with your client about what matters most to them. Sometimes we still have clients where all they care about is seeing their name in the paper. And if that's what they want and that's what's working for them, fantastic. Because sometimes it's just about building their personal brand. I have clients where it's about kind of the back end and generating sales leads. And so it's really about sitting down at those planning meetings and letting them talk uh, and hearing what what their bosses are telling them. It's always a chain. Our clients, they have bosses that are kind of feeding back to them. This is what we need to get done. This is what our investors are looking at. This is what our customers are looking at, what our board members are looking at. And so you have a lot of stakeholders that you're feeding into. And it's about listening to what the client is telling you and what they need. So looking at the campaigns that we particularly admire and that did particularly well, a lot of them really tap into the cultural zeitgeist. They're going on key trends that are really dominating the news at the moment. Do you think that a campaign can only be successful in the ward capacity if it taps into that? Or is it possible to kind of swim upstream, do your own thing and make an impact on the judges that way? I don't think it's that black and white where it has to be one or the other. I do think there needs to be more of an air of cultural sensitivity. That's something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. And 
there are some campaigns that I look at where I just think, how on earth did that make it past the brainstorm stage? Did no one think that this might be associated with this or that uh, going on right now? And I think it speaks to just having more diversity on the teams and having more diverse points of views and experiences to be able to understand how something might be received. Especially, you know, having a more diverse judging panel. I don't think you necessarily have to stay in line with, you know, what's culturally cool right now or being politically correct. I do think there's an appreciation for, as you say, swimming upstream and kind of doing your own thing. And I think that's how we continue to innovate is by having those really out-of-the-box ideas and not sticking to the status quo. But I think as long as you remember how diverse the world is and how how many audiences you are speaking to and showing that you understand that, that is what people, I think, forget a lot. And it's interesting that you should say that because I think it definitely is the case that especially in PR, we can live in a little bit of a bubble of mm-hmm. our own. And partly that's because there isn't as much diversity in PR professionals as there is in the wider community mm-hmm. um, and partially it's because once you get inside the PR world you can sometimes end up getting uh, sucked into a little bit because you're surrounded by people who tend to be more similar to you although yes. increasingly that's starting to change in a lot of agencies that are really pushing that forward but I think when it comes to judging panels and where it does tend to be people who've been in the industry for quite a long time of course it's going to take a little while for that to feed up potentially exactly. Do you think that potentially we were sitting at the awards and we were loving everything that won because everything was targeted at us? And is there potentially the issue that awards aren't recognizing campaigns that might actually be doing a great job of targeting potentially people who are older or people who Mm -hmm. don't have as much access um, or don't choose to have as much access to the internet? And is that maybe hurting our ability to recognize campaigns that are still doing a very good job? I think based on the last two awards that I've been to, I've actually seen a really good spectrum of winning campaigns. And that gives me hope that it isn't as in a bubble as we used to be. I do think that there are still some kind of cliches that we hold on to and some preconceptions that this is what really should be winning. But I think the industry is doing a, a very good job of branching out from that and looking really at what those KPIs were and what the impact was and did it move the needle? And I think that's really good. I think what's lacking right now is the transparency for those of us who are seeing these award-winning campaigns is understanding why they won. And I think that only helps us in the future to know how we should start to structure our campaigns a bit more and understanding why one may be one over the other where you know everybody saw campaign a on the tube on the buses you know on tv on social and no one saw campaign b but campaign b won having us understand why campaign b won what was their success and i think that is also part of the recognition they should get Um, is what their success was. And I think we could do a little bit of a better job showcasing that as well. And of course, we know what it's like as an agency when campaigns win awards. 
But of course, we're not the only ones winning. It's also the marketing teams and the marketing leads at our clients. So to what extent do you think it's important for them to have these award wins when having those sort of internal discussions about the impact of PR or the impact of marketing more widely? And can having an award-winning campaign impact their ability to run bigger and better campaigns in the future? Absolutely. It's all about selling PR and arming them with the tools to make that sale and show them the value of PR and not even just PR, but integrated communications. I think when you get to the higher levels, they're so focused on either the bottom line or, you know, managing their stakeholders that they don't really think about all the other kind of side pieces of their business. And when you have award-winning campaigns like this and it's recognized by the industry and it's showing the, the success to the business, that proves to the leadership that there is an ROI, it is worth their while, it's worth their time, it's worth their money. So for the campaigns that we've talked about so far, they've been pretty much all UK campaigns mm-hmm. um, and therefore kind of UK-based awards. But I'm interested in your perspective because, of course, you used to be over in the US, so you can see this from both sides of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. First of all, how important is it to have a campaign that really targets the local uh, market that it's working in? And how can you translate global campaigns that need to hit so many different markets and so many different mm-hmm. audiences, but still make it relevant enough to be something that we would call award-winning? Well, I think local campaigns are so important. Obviously, with the Dexcom campaign, we are focused on the UK, we're focused on UK policy change, but we do also work quite a bit with our global team members, and we do have global campaigns with them. And it does get very nuanced into the language that you use and understanding how things might translate. The biggest thing that I've learned coming over to the UK is that just because we speak the same language doesn't mean we actually speak the same language. Um, There are phrases and terminologies that do not translate between the two countries culturally. And we've had that happen recently with a campaign that we're working on that's more social focused. And we've actually had to adjust what we use for hashtags and the language and the marketing materials here in the UK versus what they're using in the US. And I think for the US team, that was actually a bit of a surprise, but a really good learning opportunity for those teams that work on global accounts to really speak with your teams and understand what might work and what not, what won't work. And so that's something to think about with the global campaign is it's not going to be one blanket campaign. It can be the global umbrella with local activations that as long as they tie in together can still be one cohesive campaign. And one of the things I love about Allison and Partners is that because we have offices in so many different places around the world, mm-hmm. most of the time you can pick up the phone to someone and, and chat that through oh, yeah. um, and get that local expertise, mm-hmm. which is invaluable. You can't, you can't Google that. It's not possible. It's fantastic. Yeah. So last question here. I'd like you to take out your crystal ball. Um, I know. I'm glad you brought it with you today. Uh, <laughs> makes this a lot easier. And we're going to look ahead to 2020 because yes. believe it or not, some of the awards for 2020 are already open. Oh my goodness. And already accepting submissions. <laughs> because it is a constant cycle. We've seen what some of the main themes have been for 2019. And in our last episode, we talked a little bit about, you know, what those were. And at the PR Week Awards, at least, a lot of it was based around purpose and sustainability. Do you have any predictions as to what the main themes might be 
in 2020 and what's going to be potentially getting the awards when it comes to those big overarching Mm -hmm. themes to be honest i don't think it's going to change that much i think climate change and sustainability are going to continue to be the focus across all industries we're seeing it obviously in the food and bev industry we're seeing it in luxury brands we're seeing it in finance with sustainable investing obviously the energy market it's something that just isn't going away which is good and I think finally people are getting it that we don't have that much time left to just kind of stick with the status quo it's not the most comfortable conversation to have but I would say if it's if it's easy it's not worth it or if it doesn't you know scare you a little bit then you're not doing the right thing so that's something that I think is going to continue And not just because it's what people are talking about, but I think because that's what's actually going to happen with businesses and business change is that they are going to be focused on being a bit more sustainable and a bit more conscious. And of course, increasingly, bigger brands are going to have their own business targets related specifically to sustainability. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a lot of other countries, there are already legal obligations when it comes to sustainability goals. So that's another KPI that actually is going to be tracked in awards again Mm -hmm. and campaigns that can be shown to be delivering the results that businesses need to do these days Mm -hmm. um, but can be measured will be award-winning if they really deliver those results and go above and beyond. Absolutely. Well, that's a nice positive note for us to end this podcast (laughs) on. So all I have left to say is thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode of The Stream UK. Of course, I need to remind you, as always, to hit that subscribe button. That way you'll always get the latest analysis and insight from Alison and Partners here in London, straight to whatever device you use to listen to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. And you can always find out more at alisonpr.co.uk forward slash stream. Thanks so much for stopping by.